This podcast is produced by Unedited. The Songwriters Podcast is in association with the Ivers Academy and PRS for Music M Magazine. My name's Louise Golby. I'm an independent artist and I've been writing and performing my own music for quite a while now. As a songwriter myself, I'm very interested in the art of songwriting, how song ideas come about, what triggers certain lyrics, or how a melody or musical idea is started. In this series, I've interviewed some of the UK's leading songwriters and artists, discussing their songwriting techniques and stories behind their biggest songs and collaborations. My guests have written tracks for the likes of Stevie Wonder, Tina Turner and Cher, as well as receiving MBEs, Grammys, Ivan Novellos and number one singles for their work. My guest for this episode is a number one hit-making and multi-platinum selling songwriter who is behind some of the biggest pop R&B and dance songs of the last 10 years. Her work has won a BMI award and Brits and Ivan Novello nominations. Her biggest songs have reached nearly 500 million streams and she's written on multiple number one singles and number one albums. She's worked alongside producers such as Fraser T. Smith, Diplo and David Guetta and worked with the likes of Jax Jones, Little Mix, Paloma Faith, Sean Paul, Rita Ora, Liam Payne, Clean Bandit, Craig David, Gary Barlow, Jennifer Lopez, Joel Corey and Burner Boy, as well as breakthrough artists Hayley Steinfeld and Becky G. I am so honoured to have had the opportunity to interview Janae Jinjin Bennett about her highly successful career and find out some more about the huge song she's behind. I open with the question I've been asking all of my guests. If I was to introduce you with just one song, what would it be? Standing in a crowded room and I can't see your face Put your arms around me, tell me everything's okay In my mind I'm Yeah, it was actually when um, this idea was started when I was at home. I was, yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure how it really came about. I had the idea for the first part of the chorus initially. So it was like, darling, hold my hand. I oh, won't you hold my hand. And then the lyric was supposed to be like a precious ring on my finger. Darling, hold my hand or something like that. And then um, when I went into the studio session with Jess Glynn and Jack from Clean Bandit, who produced the record for us, um, I said, hey guys, I've got this idea. And so they really liked the whole my hand part and the melody and lyrics, but they really didn't understand the precious ring on my finger. I think that was just a, a bogus rubbish part that I'd written. So yeah, we had the first part and then we um, wrote the rest. <laughs> Okay. And do you remember, so had you worked with Jack before and is it Ina as well that was in the session? Ina wasn't in the session, no. Um, so it's myself, Jack and Jess Glynn, um wrote the song. And then Ina um, was sent, uh, Ina came on later on and um, helped us with the um, post, post-chorus. Oh, okay. Which is really good, but she's an amazing, amazing writer. And you've written, you've written with her several times, haven't you? Um, well, we have never actually done a session in the room together, but um, 
hold my hand she was um there was one song that we did called like that for fleur east and um she was in a session with fraser t smith fleur um and then they had written the song and then they then they asked me to write the post hook the same way that we got Ina in to write the post hook for Hold My Hands. So we've had two records out together, um, but we've never actually written together in a session, which is crazy. But we've met together and we've hung, we've met and we've hung out a load. Um, so yeah, she's super sweet. Hold My Hand was Jess's first number one single as a solo artist. Do you think you guys could have predicted that success of that song um, and its omnipresence? To be quite honest, it was never one of those that you just never know with a song. You know, you, you hope that people um, enjoy it as much as we did when we were making it. But you just never know. You know, sometimes songs take a life of their own. Um, so this was... At the, at the time when we wrote it in the studio we all had a good feeling and we were all like dancing around the studio and you know we really enjoyed it and had so much fun um and then you know we sent it into the label you know as soon as we'd finished it that that evening and um yeah they came back with a good response and they were like cool but we need to you know um there was a few little tweaks but they really liked it as well and then literally it was we um you know scheduled in to finish it Jess had to redo the vocals and the production was done and yeah and it just kind of like had its own life after that which is really cool Hold My Hand was released in 2015 and went straight to number one on the UK singles chart it stayed there for three consecutive weeks and also became Jess's first solo chart entry on the US Billboard Hot 100 the song also features on a Coca-Cola advert, it was on the soundtrack of Bridget Jones's Baby, and it's the official song for the holiday company Jet 2. So you co-wrote most of Jess Glynn's first and second albums, both of which went to number one, um, including the single Right Here, which went to number six, and another number one single that she had with Tiny Temper, uh, Not Letting Go. Um, I understand that you actually met Jess at her college, is that right? Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was given a talk at her college. I was invited in by, um, you know, the tutors um, to give a talk. Uh, they were inviting different musicians, artists, writers, A&Rs, lots of different music industry people in to talk to the students on this um, music management course. And I was the ex an example of like a kind of like a one man band, like no manager. I was unsigned, didn't have a publishing deal or anything like that. But I was like um, working a lot with um, Roll Deep and some other UK artists. And um, I had, you know, kind of like been taken under their wing and shown how to release, just, just get your music out there. And um so I was kind of like an example on this management course of, you know, showing how you can independently release music. And after the talk, kind of, um, I was leaving and Jess Glynn approached me and said, hey, 
be great if I could send you some music, which she did. Sent me a couple of SoundCloud links, and I absolutely love the voice. Um, we were both working part time at, um, at the time as well. I was doing music, but then I was working in a in a in a club in a bar, and then she was working for a drinks company, like selling shots of like Jägermeister. <laughs> I remember. So any free time we had when we weren't working, um, we would just get in the studio and 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 just write together. So that song's been used on films and it's the soundtrack of Jet Blue. And it is, like I said, omnipresent. So, I mean, congratulations. And I guess, like you said, you don't know although you had a good feeling about it, you you couldn't have predicted that. Never, yeah. You never can predict. (laughs) Okay. So, before we talk about your other big songs with other artists, um, let's go back to the beginning. You've touched on it a little bit, but your journey as a songwriter, how did you get into songwriting? And do you remember the first song you wrote? Um, well, I kind of fell into songwriting, actually. But although my family are quite musical um, in, in the way that... Yeah, my, we all enjoy music. My granddad used to have a reggae music store in Manchester and I used to hang out there with him all the time. Um, whilst all my cousins would be playing outside, I'd be in the record shop listening to like all the old school songs like Shaggy and Shakademus and Pliers and Barris Hammond. And so I would just listen to all the rhythms that he would be playing in in the record shop. Um and I just absolutely loved it. And then he bought me like um, a little keyboard and I used to tinker around and play along sometimes in the in the record st- store as well when I used to hear certain reggae music. And then, yeah, there was just always music playing in my household. Um, so reggae music. And then because I'm from Manchester as well, my parents used to always tell me about house music and play a lot of house music. And they used to always talk about a club that, they used to go to called the Hacienda so they told me all about that and they used to play loads of the old school um, house records so when I was really young you know it was just instilled in me um till this day when I go into studio sessions I'm able to kind of reference old old school records that are kind of too old for me to know but because <laughs> my parents were play them I know a lot about um some of the house music so um that's pretty much how I got into it and then um I went to normal school and then part-time I used to you know any free time I had I used to go to like local dance classes and singing and acting um we used to go to a theater school and then just from there I kind of like was part of the choir and then I slowly would you know sometimes get like the solo parts and stuff and then um and then Sometimes I'd be really happy that I got to do like a solo line and sing it. But then when it came to actually do the performance on stage, I would be so nervous and I'd like almost just want to back out. But then it was too late. So I'd be like shaking. So it was super, super funny. Yeah. So kind of like got into into it um, that way, really. Um, I didn't really know that songwriting was a thing. I didn't know it was a career. I just thought that everybody who, um, if you wanted to get your music heard, you had to sing it as well. So I kind of had this love-hate relationship with performing. 
yeah so um that was pretty much it and then I kind of like would I always thought that if you wanted to get your music out there you would have to perform as well so I used to have these ideas and you know write poetry in my room and every time I would hear like a um, a song on the radio I would try and write like a response to it so say if I heard an Usher record I would try and think oh what would the female response be to this record and I used to like you know write over different hip-hop beats and stuff and then write my own like versions of songs sort of thing like original um ideas um so yeah that kind of like how I kind of fell into it and I've always as I said earlier I've always had this like love-hate relationship with um performing but always you know was always torn because I wanted to get my music heard but then you know sometimes you know I would write stuff um and then it would suit my voice and other times it wouldn't suit my voice but then I would hear stuff on the radio and think oh I could write something like that but then when I tried to sing it myself it would sound really weird so say if it was like a rap record or something or a rap or whatever um when I would try and rap it back it would sound really weird in my Mancunian accent but then if you know if somebody else you know tried to interpret the lyrics that I'd written they would sometimes come alive and then I was like oh cool and then I kind of like enjoyed that because you could put different hats on yeah as well so one one day I could pretend that I was like Sean Paul the next day I could pretend I was Little Mix then I could pretend I was like Ellie Golden or <laughs> so I kind of like that um and as your solo project did you perform much um a little bit I always um would like feature on records you know or just sing like the little hook or something um Um, I mean like did you perform live at all yeah I did it yeah I did a few I did a few gigs but then as I said it was always this thing where I was like oh battling because I was always like painfully shy and like just really didn't like to be at enjoyed the buzz of performing but then I didn't actually like singing like I don't actually enjoy do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think I've got the confidence. I think you just need to have that in you. You need to have that burning thing in you where you're like, oh my gosh, I have to sing. If I don't sing, then, you know, there's nothing else for me. But I don't have that. I'm like, I'll think of an idea. And then when somebody else, an artist brings it to life, that's when I get the goosebumps. And, I, you know, that makes me feel alive. So I love that. And I presume, um, do you sing on the demos that you play to the artists? Um, some sometimes, but I tend to go in the sessions with the the artist. I like to be in the, the you know, and then I'll kind of like do the melodies really rough or sing them to them in a really shy way or put like effects on my voice to put across the ideas, and then I'll get somebody else to cut cut the record, a session singer or the artist or whatever. So that's how it works. <laughs> okay. And um, and would you say that your approach to songwriting has changed since the beginning of your career? Or do you feel like you've got a consistent songwriting process? I think, um, yeah, I think it's it's changed. I mean, I still, you know, uh, you know, follow the basics of how I used to start writing. And I kind of, I always feel... Um, that it's most important to kind of jam and kind of like try not to have any preconceived ideas of like what you think an artist will want to write about or say because often than not more often than not what you've heard on the radio or what they've um, released as their last album or release won't be something that they'll want to replicate they would have moved on in their life and their journey do you know what I mean but like 
you know their first album story will be so different to you know if they're on the third or fourth or even fifth album you know that you know so I kind of like try and just not have any like wipe my mind wipe my brain and then just go in with a fresh and clean open mind <laughs> and have you ever had an idea that you've just thought um, is perfect for a particular artist and then you've approached their management or label with the idea yes yeah it happens um yeah it does happen um, after uh, nowadays as well like sometimes I'll have an idea for a song and um I kind of put on like an A&R kind of hat hat and then I think especially when I'm working with like house producers dance producers I, I often think to myself right I'm going to be working with this house producer say if it's like a David Guetta or a Jax Jones or a Joel Corey and then I'll think okay cool well what collaboration haven't they done before and then I'll tend to put the session together based around that and I'll think cool well that person hasn't worked with that person so I think it would sound really good so with them um, a release that I did um not so long ago well I did I did I wrote a song an idea started it with Davy Getter and Ray and then I played it to Joel Corey who then um finished it and then this it's out at the moment um so it became a song called Bed and it's um Joel Corey with Ray and David Guetta so then it's kind of like put them all together which was which was cool yeah I keep hearing that song all the time oh amazing yeah I haven't heard it yet oh I need oh, to it's on Radio 1 all something. the time oh my god that's amazing I'm so happy <laughs> I'm dying to hear it uh, you've done quite a few collaborations now with Ray and Jax Jones yes um how about David yes I have how about David Guetta had you worked with him before I had worked with David um before um we we did a record it wasn't in the room I was on I did I wrote a record on his album and it was with um Jess Glynn and Steph London um so that was on his record and then I've done some other stuff with David Guetta for his other project called Jack Back which is a bit more darker more underground kind of records um so we've had a release there and um yeah I've, I've done various sessions with him as well which is super fun Nah, nah, yeah. Don't act like you know me, like you know me, nah, nah, yeah. I am not your homie, not your homie, nah, nah, yeah. Don't act like you know me, like you know me, nah, nah, yeah. You don't know me. Uh, yeah. Time is money, so don't fuck with mine. So now let's talk about one of your other huge hits, uh, Ray and Jax Jones' You Don't Know Me. Amazing. Obviously uh, winning combination with you guys all together. Do you remember how that song idea came about and how the session was put together? Do you remember how that song started? Um, so that started, it was the first time. I had worked with Jax before and I had worked with Ray before. They both signed to the same label, but they had never worked together. So... Um, you know it was a session you know that was put together um and I was super excited um and yeah we just kind of again just jammed vibed a bit it was like an evening uh, an after late afternoon early evening session um over at Psalm in um West London in Labrook Grove and we I remember we 
got some food and then we got some Prosecco <laughs> and then that was it and then we wrote the song <laughs> but we was just like we were just trying to because I think there was there wasn't really a brief do you know because um Ray hadn't done any house records before that one do you know she was more pop R&B vibes and Jack's you know was doing more straight down the middle um house records so it was kind of like a new combination a new kind of collaboration for everybody and um yeah we just wanted to just vibe and make something fun so there wasn't anything it wasn't any um you know there wasn't any brief at all so it's kind of like just write what you're feeling so we just made sure that we would it made us want to dance in the room and then that was it really so there was nobody to say do something like this or do something like that or so it was good yeah and did you think this was going to be a single uh, as a standalone project or was it supposed to be part of an album um I just thought it was just a yeah it was just um uh, a standalone session and single we didn't realize I didn't even know that it was going to be a single so I just kind of we just knew it was like a vibe we were just vibing we liked it and pretty much what we made on the day was what it ended up Close. being it ended up being yeah so that was it really and we just vibed literally just a vibe <laughs> great do you play an instrument a little bit of keys but really bad so I'm just trying to brush up my skills again it sounds a bit like me but, <laughs> but it's good I, um, to know uh, a bit isn't it yeah it's good to know a bit I can produce a little bit and you know I can make work my way around the studio when I first started out when I was a teenager I did music tech and I'm um, like sound engineering um um so yeah I've forgotten a lot of it but I remember some of it as well so it does come in handy I actually had a question uh, regarding the track Decline which is another Ray one uh, it uses lyrics and melody from Jarrell and Shanti always on time and also the Ray Kojo Funds track uh, uses Craig David Seven Days sample. Just wondered how that kind of came about. Did you have the idea? Did it fit on the music? Did Craig David give you his blessing? Because I know you've worked with him previously. Um, so the um, decline um, with Ray and Mr. Easy. So that was um, one where we just really liked the original and 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 that was it really and um yeah we started started um the record and then yeah we just naturally felt to go there and then we were like cool let's just do it because we both were like fans of the record anyway when we were growing up and yeah it just fit and sounded good and then the Craig David sample on the Czech record the guitar um that wasn't actually um that was Kojo's Kojo's idea. Um, but then since then, I have worked with Craig David um, a bunch, um, quite a bit actually, and he's amazing and such a great um, writer. So that's been super fun. But yeah, I love I love sampling and you know when it when it works out and when it when it makes sense, you know. And it, um, yeah. And with Craig David, were these songs for his project or were they songs you were writing with him for other people? Yeah, I've written um, two, so we've had a couple of releases. So it was myself, Craig David, Gary Barlow and Fraser T. Smith. And we spent um, a couple of weeks in the studio and we wrote quite a few songs, a few unreleased. And then there was a couple that we've had released as well. Wow, what a lineup of people in that room. 
Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, I was nervous. I think for the first day I could hardly speak because I was so nervous. But then I got, cause, you know, they, they're, they're all really super talented but super humble and hardworking and make you feel comfortable. So it was, you know, it was pretty easy to you know um spend so much time with them because they made it so enjoyable and easy going funnily enough um i was actually going to ask you if you ever get nervous when you're working with certain people that you admire or look up to and you haven't worked before oh yeah i, I get so nervous like i think i get too nervous actually i like build it up so much in my head and a lot of the time when you're so nervous it, it stops you from coming up with your best work so it always takes me a little bit of time just to warm up a little bit and then I kind of like just remember that once you're in the room like everybody's kind of like it doesn't matter what you've done or what people have done before because it's yeah. down to what you make in the room do you know what I mean it's like um so for me uh, I you know I have so much admiration for all these amazing writers but I have so many so much admiration for loads of new writers as well you know it's like we're all kind of like equal sort of thing so but I get I get nervous all the time I do get nervous you know just if I just admire or you know I just really want to make sure that the song turns out right and I want to make sure that I can step up the plate step up to the plate and deliver as well so it's always a bit of pressure that I put on myself I can imagine but you know you're in that you're only put in that room because of your skills and talent and success and I'm sure these people wouldn't want to work oh. with you if it wasn't for that so you deserve to be there you know yeah but there's some yeah it's just it just yeah you just it doesn't even sometimes you just like think how did I manage to get myself in this room like I must have winged it or why am I you know you get that you know I'm sure you hear lots of writers talk about the imposter syndrome and stuff but you it so is a real thing like you just like it never leaves you really and <laughs> <laughs> um, would do you ever feel like there's time pressure put on um on you from labels and management about getting songs done in a particular time um, scale i wouldn't say it's pressure i mean I, I know you know people work to deadlines i suppose it's the pressure that i put on myself really um but that, that but that's a good thing as well yeah you know when you're being creative it's really hard to put a time limit on things because sometimes things just don't come yeah definitely so I try not to put too much pressure on myself I try just to be like cool it'll come when it comes if, if I can't think of ideas then I'll listen to something else I'll go to the shop I'll order some food I'll go get a coffee I'll go and walk do you know what I mean like and then you know if I'm in this session and I'll be like cool let's just have a break do you know what I mean let's just vibe and sometimes you can't come up with stuff so and that's okay as well you know you can always reconvene exactly uh, another big song of yours is lullaby by sagala featuring paloma faith won't you sing me your sweet lullaby just the sound of your voice is the thing that i need won't you sing me your sweet lullaby i could fall for the sound of your sweet melody Cause I, just your song. I understand jess glynn was also a co-writer on this track is that right yes yes she wrote um part of that and was it always Paloma Faith in mind for this? 
Um, we wrote it. We wrote it. Um, so basically, it was a song that was started with Sagala and um, a couple of the, his co-writers. And then the idea was brought to me. And then, yeah, we, we, we finished it and, and wrote it. Um, wrote it all together. Um, and then afterwards, they went and... Um, um, got Paloma on it afterwards. Uh, I think it was a record um, that Bruce, um, sorry, Sagala felt really suited her voice. And I think they had been wanting to do a collaboration for some time and this one just fit. Just fitted the bill. So did Jess sing on the demo for this one? Yes, she sang on the demo. And yeah. was she ever in mind to actually be the featured artist on this track? Um, no, it was um, always, you know, we write a lot of stuff together as well. We've written a song for Don Diablo and Jesse J. Um, there's loads of songs that we've written together. So, um, yeah, this wasn't one that was she she was going to do because I think release plans and schedule as well, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so that song was one of the top 10 songs of 2018. Um, and it's it's another track that also has just had continuous continuous success <laughs> uh, you must hear your songs loads like when you're out and about in shops and things like that do you do you hear your stuff a lot the other day i was in an uber the other day i was in an uber and i heard miss you by Jax jones and aura and um which was really good um did you tell the uber driver i was like really shook uh, no I was kind of I've just kind of like listened I was a bit like oh my gosh so that was a really good feeling but I don't tend to hear them all the time but it's usually my mum who will call who calls me from Manchester she's like oh my gosh it was just played in like Coronation Street or she's like oh my gosh it was just on Love Island or <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. so she tells me a lot or she's like oh they just covered it on The Voice or a song that you've done or something so that's really really good and that feeling never gets old you always get the um, do you know you always feel grateful for every single play like you kind of cannot can't believe that somebody would be singing your lyrics and then it's played on the radio so that means that maybe a few more people like it as well more than just me and my mum <laughs> there's like a few more people who like it <laughs> <laughs> just a few um, I'm sure I'm sure the millions of streams say otherwise um I also wanted to ask you, you've uh, worked with Jennifer Lopez and Sean Paul. So were they yes. in the room with you when you were working on both of those tracks with them? Um, the J-Lo J record with Maluma was um, co-written with some friends of mine, um, Nate Campany and Elena. And we've written quite a few things together for Becky G, mainly. Um and they called me actually um during lockdown and said Jin can you help us with this song and then yeah so yeah that was done in zooms so I was super happy and it's in a film as well coming up soon um which would be super fun so I was like oh my gosh usually I don't like zoom sessions but that was the one time it worked out I was like that's great <laughs> amazing and what about Sean Paul Sean Paul, um, the Sean Paul song I've done. Which one? I've done one with Sagala and Fuse ODG. Um, those are in, yeah. So that one, myself, Fuse ODG, and Sagala were all in the room together. We did that song, and then um, Sean Paul was put on it afterwards, and he wasn't in the room at the same time. But I have worked with Sean Paul um, a couple of times. Um, 
I worked with him at a studio in Jamaica as part of a camp, which was really fun. Um, and that was, yeah, super great. So I was lucky to work with him. Brilliant. Oh, great. And um, have you ever been influenced by anything that's going on around you socially or politically when writing a song, you know, coming up with concepts and lyric ideas? Yeah, sometimes, you know, we get, especially certain artists, you know, they write, the, the, you know, they carry their heart on their sleeves, as it, as it were. And, um, you know, they want to write about things that are happening every day in their lives so um when things do happen you know it creates a certain mood um so yeah that does happen a lot it's kind of hard to not be affected by stuff that's going on and then sometimes if it's something bad that's going on then you know you try and counterbalance that and write something a bit more positive to make yourself feel good um yeah so that's how it works uh, so we've already touched upon uh, the pride that your mum has when she hears your songs, uh, but I want to talk about your other accolades, um, your Ivor and Brits nominations, your BMI awards. Uh, you were nominated for Songwriter of the Year at the Music Business Worldwide Awards in 2018, and you won the Music Creative Award at Music Week's 2018 Women in Music event, and you're on the board of directors for the Ivers Academy, and you also run your own publishing company, uh, Ginseng. So... I don't know how you have the time to do all of this, but what do all these accolades mean to you and your family? I think it's one of those things as a black female writer, it's kind of like it wasn't anything that I or had ever even thought could be possible. So when I was asked to, be, I was invited to um, put myself forward to be on the Ivers, I was kind of like a bit shocked really, but then I kind of, you know, the first the first thing that came to my head was oh my gosh what would I have in common with people on at the Ivers sort of thing because I'd already seen it as this this kind of organization which was kind of like out of my reach you know I'd always like followed you know the award ceremonies the Ivan Novello awards and always wished one day that I could potentially even attend um, but never even thought it would even be something that you know was available for me or out there for me so being on the board I feel like as a songwriter as a black female is super important and um, I feel like it kind of shapes and gives a true indication of what the real industry is actually like it's it's not just based around one type of music it's made up of lots of different sounds and genres and different people and creators and songwriters from all walks of life so I feel truly honored to um, add to that and kind of like have a voice for other writers like myself exactly it's really important and as a songwriter, winning an Ivan Novello or even just being nominated for one is something that we all aim for. So I imagine yes. uh, it, it being a real honour to be on that board. Yes, yeah, definitely. Can you tell us what song you're most proud of as a songwriter? So it doesn't have to be your most commercially successful song, mm -hmm. just one that like musically or lyrically you feel is your best work or you're most proud of. Oh, best musically. I'm not sure I'm not sure if I can choose one but um I'm super proud to have and honored to have been involved in um co-writing Evergreen by Yeba 
So when I worked with her, she was like unsigned and, um, you know, that song means so much to her. So I was so happy to even experience and work with her because I think that her voice is absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, I think that's one of my one of my faves. She was nominated faves. for a Grammy this year, wasn't she? Oh, amazing. Amazing. She's super, super, super talented. Like, Yeah, she really is. What was the moment that you felt? Yes, I'm a songwriter. I think it comes and goes, actually. <laughs> I think when Hold My Hands went to number one, that was the moment I felt it. I felt um, there was another time when I was in the room in a session with Gary Barlow and Craig David and Fraser T. Smith. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a songwriter. <laughs> and that wasn't that long ago, actually, when I felt like that. And I've been writing for years. But um, yeah, um, yeah, you just sometimes you don't believe it sometimes yeah <laughs> what would you tell a 10 year old Jinjin um that what are the best parts of this job so what are the best parts of being a songwriter the best part about being a songwriter is every day is different and you're only you know it's one of those things that if you keep working hard at it and you're really dedicated and you really love it then and you keep going keep persevering it's something that you know can really pay off the final question is, what song do you wish you'd written? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wish I'd written X Factor by Lauren Hill. I just think lyrically it's amazing. I think it sounds like it's about a real life scenario. Um, I just love the mood of it and the feeling. I love Lauren Hill's voice and I just think it's just a great record. Since recording this episode, Jin Jin has had a top 10 hit with Joel Corey and Jax Jones featuring Charlie XCX and Sweetie with the song Out Out. She's also had releases with Parsalu, Jodie Harsh and Little Mix. And she's been working closely with Jess Glynn for her third album. As well as this, Jess's track Ain't Got Far To Go, which Jinjin also co-wrote, has been used for a global Samsung campaign. If you'd like to know more about Jinjin, please follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Jinjin Official. And please listen to our specially curated playlist to go alongside this episode featuring songs that she's written and co-written. If you'd like to know more about me, please go to my website, louisegoldby.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. This podcast is produced by Unedited.